Welcome to the Mastery Podcast with your host, Mark Coles. I have dedicated the last 15 years as a fitness professional to mastering my mind, my craft, and my business. It is my passion and mission to help each of you to do the same. Over the coming episodes, I will be providing you with all the necessary tools to be able to take full control of your career and your life. I'm really looking forward to going on this very exciting journey with you. So let's get started. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Mastery Podcast. I hope you're all doing well. Now, I always say to you guys that um, I endeavor to try and get guests on the podcast. I know I record a lot of these episodes on my own, and I save guests for special guests. Um, people that I know are going to add value, not just uh, somebody that's going to help me get a lot of exposure. I want to actually bring people on that support my mission, that share a lot of values and will bring you a lot of value as a professional coach. You know, we go from the breadths of, you know, coaching, business marketing, um, coaching, having personal trainers on. I've interviewed a lot of personal trainers, online coaches, people that I've worked with on the podcast purely because it's so important for you guys to learn from people that are doing it and in a lot of cases further ahead than you. So it gives me great pleasure um, to welcome Sean Murphy on the podcast. Sean, how are you? How are you? Thank very you. well, very well, good, very well. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Well, we are on Zoom. So uh, those of you who did want to watch this over on YouTube, it is going to be on YouTube. But for those of you listening to the podcast, as always, um, You'll be hearing us wherever you are, whatever you're doing, cardio, driving, walking around. Um, always grateful for the um, the tags and the shares. So if you've ever done that, um, please do it. Please continue to do it. Let's get more people listening to the Mastery Podcast. But guys, um, I'm going to let Sean in a second do a bit more of an introduction to who he is. But from my perspective, Sean and I have, uh, during lockdown, done some work together. Um, Sean's a fitness professional, personal trainer, um, and has an online business as well. Um, but he's been a coach for almost 20 years. So we're calling this like the OG episodes, right? Because <laughs> we're, we're kind of combining 40 years worth of experience here. So if you've not been in the industry that, that long, tune in, get ready, because you're having somebody that's been in the industry a long time, um, going to be sharing some very, very valuable information. And before I just ask Sean to just explain a little bit more about um, his journey and what got him into the industry, which is always very valuable. Guys, today we're going to be talking about coaching, working with high net worth individuals. Now, Sean works in central London um, and has got some very, very, very successful clients. And whether or not you aspire to work with very successful clients, very financially successful clients, um, or whether you just aspire to have an extremely professional business and progress throughout your career, Sean's going to be able to share a wealth of uh, knowledge and experience and how that ended up for him. But not just that, what is it that, that you need to be doing to deliver that level of coaching for people like what we're going to talk about a little bit later. So very interesting um, journey and story for you, Sean. But just, just as a brief intro for you, what got you into the fitness industry all those uh, 20 years ago? So 1950, <laughs> all, all the, all the, guys at work, the guys at work always say to me when I ever tell a story about being in the industry, they just go, during the war. During the war, yeah. I'm glad. Uh, hi, Mark, uh, and and anybody, everybody who's out there. Um Thank you for having me, Mark. Uh, as you know, I have listened to your podcast for, for quite a long time um, and obviously followed you, followed your your content online and followed uh, your journey and your kind of 
position um and uh so it's a real pleasure to be here it's a real pleasure to speak to you and spend time with you we've we've had conversations in the past uh, and i've always enjoyed kind of discussing the industry with you and, and various elements of it so it's, it's a real pleasure to be to be on board for today great to have you great to have you um yeah so just for us yeah how did you get into the fit how did you become a personal trainer what was it that gave you that nudge to start coaching people so that that's interesting um I became a personal trainer. Actually, I'd forgotten when I became a personal trainer, to be honest. Um, but but to give a bit of background, I, I came over from Dublin to uh, to London back in 1997. There's probably people listening to this who weren't even born um, to do a degree in in sports science initially. Um, so I'd always had a passion for sport. Uh, I'd always had a passion for for fitness and activity. I would say, um, growing up in Dublin, like lots of other kids at my time you know of my age and at my time you know we, we just played sport on the street and we hung out on the street and we we did what kids do so I wouldn't say that I was um always like a, a, a premium athlete or or always focused on being fit and healthy but at a sub level I was always happiest when I was playing sport trying to be fit um my heroes were all sports uh, men and women um so so I think despite lots of distractions that lots of kids have growing up uh, as teenagers. Um, I think I knew deep down that that sport and, and exercise was always something that I, that I wanted to do. So when I uh, left school and wanted to, to pursue a career, sports science was something that, that really spoke to me. Um, and I decided to come to the UK to do it. And we won't go into the, the reasons why, but again, I just felt I needed to get away from where my current environment was and really just kind of find myself. So, so that's sort of what brought me over to the UK in 97 to do a degree in sports science. Um, and when I came here, I was very quickly introduced to a lifestyle that I, I just wasn't familiar with. You know, I was surrounded by uh, kids and um, contemporaries who were high-level athletes. I went to St Mary's in Strawberry Hill, which is um, quite well renowned for its sport. I mean, it's not quite a Loughborough level, but you know, it's a lot of competitive rugby players, competitive athletes, uh, kayakers, paddlers. Those sort of sports were very, very well covered. Um, and doing a degree in sports science, you know, I was very quickly kind of around people who were high level athletes who, who took their sport and their exercise and their health and well-being even more seriously than I did. Um, so that sort of was the, was the first introduction to it. And that sort of was inspired, inspired the passion in me for it even more and made me really understand that, that this is what I wanted to do. Um, I then did a degree in sports science. I then went on to do... Um, to do a degree in sports injury rehabilitation because I was quite fascinated by the injury side of things. Um, physiotherapy sort of spoke a lot to me. I had some injuries myself and through the process of sort of healing from those injuries, trying to understand those injuries, I, I got an interest in sports rehabilitation. I was able to change up my degree and, and follow that path. So um, kind of fast forward through university life again, as like everybody else, I enjoyed my university life. I, I did what people do in uni, had a great time. But again, I never really felt better than when I was playing football or in the gym, lifting weights. And that's sort of really where I got my introduction to, to the gym environment was it was in university with a lot of these athletes that were, were training in there. And some of my mates were on the rugby team and they were three times the size of me. And I thought this is about time to you know, get in the gym and lift some weights myself. So this is sort of where it all 
sort of unfolded for me and I realized that I loved being in the gym and I loved watching the strength and conditioning coaches at that time working with some of the athletes and the programming side of it and I, I kind of really got a bit of a passion for that um, so when I graduated I was working actually in a pub which was sort of my other passion at the time and uh, I, I, I realized I, I just knew I didn't want to kind of continue I needed to do something that was a bit more speaking to my to my deeper values um, and I just through a conversation with a friend of mine one day he worked for uh, Holmes Place Health Clubs which which is really showing my age it, it's what later became Virgin Active know it well yeah exactly yeah uh, and and Homes Place were opening a new facility in Epsom in Surrey, uh, and he gave me some contact details. I reached out to them, sent them in my CV. I got a letter back, or I think yeah, probably pre-email even. I got a, a notification back saying that they had finished their hiring, um, but that they wanted to see me for a quick interview anyway. So I went in. I did two rounds of interviews, and they offered me a job as head personal trainer. So it was kind of a very quick kind of transition into, you know, going from just looking yeah. for a, sort of a part-time job to get me through post-graduation yeah, yeah. straight into being kind of a personal trainer. And I'd never really been a personal trainer, but when you ask uh, when it started for me, actually, it was only in the car the other day when I was thinking about, you know, this conversation that I cast my mind back. And actually I realized that I had qualified as a personal trainer uh, four years before that in Dublin, when I was on a gap year between school and coming to the UK, I, I did a, a course in sports uh, management and and various bits and bobs and part of that was actually getting an iTech diploma in in personal training and gym instruction so I'd actually got that in my in my locker already without really realizing um but at no point in that journey did I kind of want to be a personal trainer had I set out to be a personal trainer I just knew I loved the environment I love being in the environment so I took a job at um, Holmes Place and I was, I was thrown in at the deep end. I was, again, extremely fortunate. I know there's a lot of trainers out there that have to really work hard and build up a client base. And, and I was blessed and, and, and I'm eternally grateful for the fact that I landed on my feet in that environment. I was handed a book of pre-sold memberships. It was a brand new club and, and, and basically 100 telephone numbers and told these are people that have expressed an interest in personal training. Um, call them, get them booked in for, for consultations, get them booked in for introductory sessions and away you go. No, I, I think that was very, very similar to me in LA Fitness back in the back in the day. For for me, it was massive for the sales team to to work with the PCs, mm. and they, I would sit with the sales team, and you'd go through the book, and you'd just ring them and ring them and ring them. They'd had their free session, and you were able to just contact people. Absolutely, yeah. And I don't think that happens now. No, I don't think so. I think back then, you know, PT was was definitely seen as a luxury item. It was something that you know. Um, I mean, you know, I think you mentioned at the start about high net worth individuals and, uh, you know, I think I was introduced to high, I think when I started off in the job, these people were high net worth individuals yeah, to yeah, me, yeah. you know, I, I kind of grew up in a fairly moderate part of Dublin, um, you know, the value that I was brought up with was was in a, a very nice, loving you know, value-driven family, but we didn't have a huge amount, you know. So when I came to Epsom and started working there and suddenly I was introduced to people who had a five-bedroom house, two cars and a gym membership, they were they were high net worth people to me yeah, straight away. So I was sort of already surrounded by people in that environment. And I think at the time, as I said, personal training was a bit of a luxury item as, yeah. as a health club membership was back then, really. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah. something that many had. Now, now to, to to kind of fast track this a little bit so that we can get right into the nitty gritty mm. of kind of 
the re- the real kind of crux of, of uh, what we're going to talk about today. But your journey, your story is so important. Um, and with everybody, you know, I always say that anybody who's achieved any level of success in life, listen to their story, listen to their journey. You know, Sean, on the gym floor, coaching clients, building your relationship up. But just tell me, there was a there was a pivotal time for you. Um, just explain how long you were working at Epsom for, and then you got a little bit of an itch. So, you know, we, you and I talked, you know, off air kind of about this itch that you got to potentially step things up, change things. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of personal trainers have this, you know, exactly. they're, they're working for a period of time. And, you know, whether, whether we call it the entrepreneurial itch, whether we call it the progressional itch, whatever we call it, mm-hmm. it's just something that says I'm ready for the next, so something a little bit more. Yeah. So you were yeah. at Epsom, you were at Holmes Place, something gave the itch for you a little bit more. Well, how long were you at Epsom for and before you got that? So I was I was in Epsom in total for, for almost two years, um, yeah. which I, again, at the time felt like quite a long time. Um, yeah. And I really enjoyed it there. I never really, I, I think what happened was it was sort of organic. You know, I, this was my introduction to working on a gym floor, to being with clients, to actually working yeah. closely with individuals. Um and when I started coaching people in Epsom, you know, it was, I, I thought about, you know, it's going to be just lifting weights, you know, it's doing what I did in the, in the university gym, it's that. And very quickly, I realized at that point, Mark, that I, I remember distinctly one of the very first people I met there was a lady who was 55. Um, she was the wife of a lawyer. So again, you know, an affluent yeah. person yeah. in Epsom. And when I sat down with her to talk to her about, about her, her consultation, she was shaking, she was trembling with fear. Yeah. And I remember at that moment in time thinking, hang on a second, this is not just taking somebody through a workout. This is not just getting somebody and kind of seeing what lift, weights they can lift. So true. This is yeah. somebody who's taken a huge step just to be here. Um, and I now have to, I have to change my perception of what training is and what coaching is, because it's not going to be now just taking people into a gym and pushing weights. Not having a workout. It's not just a workout. It's not just a workout. No. And, and this lady had taken a huge jump to just be here. I was a 24 year old, you know, wet behind the ears guy, thought I knew it all, had a pair of biceps, thought I was Paul Czech, you know, thought I knew everything. And very quickly I realized I know nothing. I don't know how to deal with somebody like this. And I, you know, that that's sort of when you dive into your, I guess your values. That's when you sort of look to things like, you know, your 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 passion, why you're in it, the values that you have, sort of compassion but you had and empathy. You had two degrees. Well, yeah, but I, I, yeah, but it wasn't about education at that point. It true, wasn't about, true. it wasn't about everything I knew. Yeah. It didn't, I wasn't going to take this lady and start putting her on a periodized program. I wasn't going to start asking her to do, you know, three sets of 10 of anything. Basically, all I was going to do was guide this lady into the gym, try to make her feel comfortable in an environment that she'd never been in and that she, she really wasn't comfortable in and, and have empathy and have compassion. Um, and so I was sort of learning this on, on the fly, you know, in that very first instant. And, and I think at that moment in time, I sort of realized, you know, if I'm going to do this as a job, there's going to be a lot more to this. Um, there's a whole personal side of this. There's, 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 there's the individual side. There's the science. Of course, the science is hugely important. And, and, and you know, we can go down that route later on if you want. But obviously, you know, you know upskilling and education is, is vitally important for any coach and certainly when you want to take things up in tears yeah. but first and foremost it kind of comes back to your ability to be able to empathize 
and be compassionate for somebody who has taken a big step to be in a gym and, at 24, and that's not taught at university right it's not that's not taught at university that's not exactly, taught anywhere exactly, you hopefully exactly. it's taught in your kind of in your upbringing or your upbringing, family life yeah. or whatever or just the people that you surround yourself with but it was a big it was a quick learning curve for me and i realized that this could actually be the most important part of of being a personal trainer particularly to general population people because you just don't know who you're going to get walking through the door everybody's not going to come in wanting to get jacked everybody's not going to want to come in kind of wanting to lose 10 stone you're going to have people who are just coming in because their body hurts or because they haven't done exercise or maybe because their gp has said to them you've got high blood pressure you need to take up exercise and they're i mean they're nervous they're scared they're they're, they're not sure what the future holds they're middle-aged people they're stressed whatever it might be and you've got to then understand that and coach accordingly so so that was sort of for me a real a quick learning curve and then that was something then that I sort of carried with me through my time in Epsom and I, and I kind of almost made that my priority even from that moment in time on a lot of the people that I trained even in those early days I built a really strong personal relationship with them first um, I don't know whether it was the type of clients I attracted I didn't seem to attract the guys who just wanted to get ripped um, and maybe it was just the way I presented myself and, and the way I spoke to people but I seemed to attract people who actually wanted care and wanted attention and wanted to manage their health and just get better at being healthy and understand a little bit more about what was important. Yeah. And I, and I think in the fitness industry, whilst we know, and rightly so, there's a massive place in the industry for body transformations and getting people great physiques. And in some cases, I see the poorest level of service to those clients and some of the best level of service to people who want to improve their health and longevity and the relationship that's built at that level. I, I do see, you know, obviously there's, there's both ends of the, the spectrum, but you at that point really started to actually see the value in the, in the customer care service value that, that, that somebody was, um, that, that you were presenting in, and, and for your clients. Now they got to a certain point um, that you thought Epsom may not be the future. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I was a year and a half in and, you know, you understand the way the health club system works and, and you understand that, you know, you're being paid a small proportion of, of actually what the health club are charging for for the personal training services. Um, and, and sort of in a weird way, it didn't speak to me because there was kind of pressure on you as a trainer to power people through their sessions, their blocks of sessions in order so they would, you know, Pay rebook. more yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and rebook and and it all kind of it all felt to me like the way they wanted you to coach was get people in churn them out get them out you know high turnover of clients there was a high turnover of trainers in the gym um, and it just didn't I thought that didn't really sit well with me I kind of felt no this is somebody who is putting their trust and their confidence in me um, and and I owe them you know that in return uh, and I owe them um, that, as I said, that empathy, that compassion and that guidance to try and help them get better. But equally at the same time, from a commercial standpoint and from a business standpoint, you know, I still needed to build a future for myself. I, I had aspirations. I wanted to buy a house. I wanted to have a nicer car. I was driving a banged out 206 or something at the time. Um, you know, I had aspirations. And equally, because I was around people who had a five bedroom house and had a nicer car than me, um, without wanting to covet those things, because I don't necessarily think that's healthy either. But it's okay to have aspirations. It's okay to see these things. I think mm, I'd like that for my family, or I'd like to bring my kids up in a nice house and sorry, whatever it is. But certainly, you know, the seed is planted that, you know, you've done a bit of time, you, you've kind of forged a, a way of coaching. You've started to build your thing, your product, your way of doing things. 
you're retaining clients well. Um, so you, there's obviously something that you're doing that's right. Uh, and, and you understand that there's going to be a market for it outside of, of that particular health club and also outside of Epsom that's probably going to be more lucrative, more beneficial to you. Um, and so at that point in time, I actually got into a conversation with a friend of mine who was a trainer and a Pilates teacher working up in, in central London for a small um, company that were sort of like a freelance operation, but they had just taken on a few contracts, corporate contracts. And she was actually leaving her position. They had asked her if, if she knew of any, any trainers who sort of came from a similar background because I had done the same degree as Emma in, in rehabilitation. And um, she reached out to me and said, look, this company, this, th their approach is very much kind of, uh, you know, rehab based and, and that sort of thing. And um, would you be interested in, 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 in speaking to them? And I was like, well, this is an opportunity. I mean, I think at that time I wasn't craving London particularly, but as soon as the opportunity was presented to me, I saw the opportunities that, that, that were there. And so I took an interview with those guys and, and, um, and they offered me a position. Wow. And th this was, I mean, leaving Epsom, moving into central London, you mm -hmm. know, those of you who are not in central London, it's, it, it's, it's a busy place, you know, this, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's all go. But um, the, um, the initial pull for you was opportunity, potential opportunity. Yeah, I'm sure. without question. Yeah, yeah. And the, the kind of people that you were working with immediately within this organization, they were at the higher, higher, higher edge of, of kind of income earners the clients yeah yeah the clients were yeah so so the, the yeah. company itself were based in a hedge fund in in mayfair so i mean literally you know in in the heart of of london yeah. and probably the most affluent part of london yeah um so and there, yeah, is, there is for most people that don't know mayfair has some of the most expensive property per square foot in the world yeah absolutely it's, it's um, this is the top of the top of the tree from from that point of view um so yeah, I, I went and, and and the other thing that was just interesting on that mark very quickly is that when I went and had an interview with these guys, um, they were also coming at they were they had taken their own education in training to another level. So you know they were Czech level three and level four, Paul Czech for for those that aren't necessarily familiar with it. At the time, the twenty years ago was sort of seen as a little bit of a gold very standard much so. of qualification. Very much so. Yeah. Um, and so that sort of spoke to me as well. You know, the chap who was involved. Obviously, <laughs> got to be careful not to mention any names, but the the head trainer or the boss of this company, it was a three, three person operation at the time. You know, he spoke to me about how he would help educate me through the Czech modules and all of that. And to be honest, that was as, um, that was as exciting for me as the idea of earning more money, really. I mean, I knew I was going to be earning more money. They told me I'd be earning more money. And, and naturally enough, that was going to be a draw for a 25-year-old as I was at the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I took a job with those guys. They, they, they put me on a three-month three three trial and uh, they introduced me to clients working in the gym it, it, at this um at this hedge fund in Mayfair. And they also introduced me to some of their external clients who lived in and around other parts of London. So Chelsea, Kensington, um, Fulham, those sort of areas. So again, you know, very affluent areas and, and, and fairly affluent clients that they had. Yeah. And they introduced me to those. I trained some of those people from home. Um, I trained some of them from their office gyms. And, uh, and then I did a couple of shifts a week at the hedge fund kind of on the gym floor. So I think the first thing to really take from this is you had a you had a vision that outside of Epsom there were possibilities, and that you didn't know what was in central London, but you you just had a niche that where you were at that time in Epsom there was potentially more opportunity for you moving to somewhere else. And I think this is a really important point for coaches that really do want to excel but don't necessarily 
choose to move, choose to go where the opportunities lie. And I think yeah. that's, you know, just your take on that. You know, you chose to go where opportunities may or may not be, but you certainly knew that it was going to get you in front of not just necessarily high net worth individuals, but it was an environment which was aligned with the education that you wanted to, 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 to deliver for you, deliver for you, learn for yourself, and also potentially the opportunity to earn more money. You know, it doesn't necessarily happen under your nose. You've got to get up and go and try and find it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, 100%. 100%. And, and even subsequently, you know, it still is very much about, you know, even though I've sort of been based in, in central London ever since then, um, you know, it still is about being in the right place and 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 sort of matching what happens when you're there and what what what's required when you're in that environment. You know, so moving to London was was one part of it for me. Um, it like I said, I don't think I ever hugely thought about just the money of it. I just knew that all of the opportunities would be better there and wider, so yeah. that the people that I would be speaking to, the people that I would be training, the people that I would be introduced to, the people that I would be around, both from an, an educational and a, and a working network environment, you know, there was just more going to be more going to be happening in there. It's a growth yeah, environment. It, it, it's a growth it, environment. Exactly, a growth environment, hundred percent. And yeah. and I think you need to have that growth mindset if you're going to see that. Um, a lot of people are quite happy to sit where they are, um, take the easy road. And that's also fine, you know, not everybody has, has bigger dreams, but I think if you do have bigger dreams um, that extend beyond your current environment, it's important that you realize that, you know, you must take action. Yeah. And, you know, action, I'm not going to go into this now because this has been subject of a lot of my own sort of social posts and stuff over, over the, you know, the last few months. But action is something that we all have to take, right? Whatever our objective is, if it's our clients who've got our goals and objectives, you know, motivation will only get them so far. At some point, they've got to they've got to actually act and then become motivated by the actions that they're taking. Yeah. And I think it's no different when it's in your career. You know, if you have motivation for more, if you're inspired to do more, you've got to at some point decide it's time to act. Yeah. No. No. And and you know what? What goes hand in hand with that is fear, because we don't know. We don't know what we don't. We have no idea what's on the other side of it. I mean, I. Yeah. You know, when I met um, met my wife, and and I said, London's calling. Yeah. And of course, I've got the gym up in Nottingham. Yeah, I was terrified. So, like, you know, not only have we got to get the gym to be looked after, but I'm, I mean, I've I spent a lot of time in London over the years. Dad's lived, you know, Dad lived down there, and uh, still has a home there. But it still wasn't home. It still wasn't. And and, and you know, it, it it's 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 a new challenge. But you know, something's calling you for something that's different, something that's putting you in a different environment. And you did that now. What's interesting to those of you who are listening to the podcast now and you're thinking, okay, well, this is all good. This is the journey. We're going to get into it just in a second because, you know, Sean's been coaching high net worth individuals in and around London for a long time. But it's important you understand this journey because if we just said, oh, he's, he's coaching high net worth individuals, you don't really understand the stepping stones that he's done, which is very similar to the majority of personal trainers on the planet. Start in a gym and then you start putting yourself in an uncom- you know, a challenging environment and, you know, that, that grows. But you were telling me that, that you were working within this, this, this business and that shut down and you tell the story because this will then lead us into how you ended up starting working with people individually. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I had a good meeting with these guys. I went, uh, I decided to take the plunge and this is where I, so I guess the fear is and the action is I had a very good thing going in Epsom. I had a great client base. I had a very, a very fond client base. I liked the people, the people like me. Um, most of them most of the time mm-hmm. um, but I, I decided I needed to take this plunge it was an opportunity and I, and I thought I've got to take action so I went and worked for this company and I, as I said they introduced me to uh, 
10, fifth, maybe 10 external clients that were outside of the hedge fund um, who I was working with on a kind of weekly basis. And then I would do two shifts in the gym around the hedge fund itself. Um, what was interesting there, Mark, was that I kind of, and again, I have to be careful what I say, but I sort of saw things at that point when I saw how this company were operating as a freelance company who had a had a base in, in, in a, a hedge fund and a very kind of, they were dealing with very financially sound people. Um, I saw a lot of things that I didn't really like and I, and I yeah. kind of became a little bit disillusioned with what I was seeing. And it, it, it was a weird sort of situation in that I had come from a position where, as I mentioned at the start, working with these clients in Epsom, you know, empathy, understanding, compassion, all of those things were really important to me. Not seeing, you know, seeing the client for an, as a person, as a person who needed my help and put their yep. trust in me to be able to provide them with help and assistance. Uh, and when I got to, to London and, and saw the way um, some of these trainers were operating with their clients, it, it didn't, I didn't like what I saw. You know, it was very obvious that some of these trainers were seeing the clients as entities right they were seeing it was very cold it was very clinical it was they didn't build up a rapport with the clients it was almost like they just saw them as cash cash they saw them yep. as hours yep. at 100 yep. quid an hour or whatever it was at the time and it was kind of a, a meal they just churned them in they churned them out they didn't care if the clients cancelled or didn't show up it didn't matter the book was filled and and they were getting their their dough um and i remember just at the time thinking like you know that's not really where I'm at you know and even at that time I was only there two months and I had already started to build up quite a good rapport with some of these clients you know because of just because of my own approach of course and because of the fact that I, I always take a very client-centric approach to the way I coach you know I, for me it's all about the client and it's all about me being able to provide a service for them and um, based on on what they are looking for and a lot of the time clients don't fully understand what they're after themselves or they don't really know what might be best for them and I've always taken a lot of pride in in putting their health and their well-being first ahead of any kind of mad fitness goals or mad physique goals as you know yeah. so i've always prioritized that approach that's given me an opportunity to speak to the clients um on a level that was kind of deep you know without 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 sort of crossing any boundaries but you know it, we you know we built up a rapport quite quickly and so it it stuck out to me that these clients a lot of the time are being treated like cash cows and I didn't like what I saw with that. So there was a bit of a separation happened. Um, and long story short, after my kind of three month OTE period, we we both decided that we were going to part part ways. Um, and what happened in the kind of 24 hours after that was also also kind of stung me a little bit as as I, I really don't like the way people are dealing with these clients and the way they see them and became very aware that clients don't value that at all. Um, in that the company... We, we parted company on, it was on a Friday. I went home that evening. I went to the pub with one of my mates to have a drink and kind of said, look, I don't know if I've got any clients. I don't know if I've got work from Monday. I've kind of let everything go in Epsom. I'm a, you know, maybe I really made an error here by, by, by taking the, this opportunity and by kind of being drawn by the, the brighter lights, if you like, and thinking the grass was greener. Um, and, it wasn't, kept, and it wasn't aligned with your values ultimately. well it wasn't aligned with my values no when I was in that environment it just didn't fit with me it didn't yes. sit right the way that they were yeah. seeing these yeah. clients and the yeah. priority for them was money 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 um, it wasn't the well-being of the client so anyway I don't want to skip on and this story could go on forever but I had a, a handful of clients that I had maintained in Epsom that had asked me to, um, to, to keep training them even though I had left the gym there and I was still bombing up and down the A3 
two days a week to train these clients and get back into central London and putting the graft in, you know, and it, it really was long hours and all of that. But we, again, we can sort of get to that later on. But, but I left the gym that day in Curzon street. Um, and they said to me, you know, adios, don't try and contact any of our clients. You know, these are our clients again, treating them like possessions of theirs, as opposed to people. Um, and, and I went home and within a couple of hours, my phone started to ring and it was uh, most of these clients that I had been introduced to while in London in the previous three months. Wow. And I must have had about six or seven of them called me that Friday and said, look, we've had, a, we've had a call from the company. They've said that you're no longer working with them and that they're going to get another trainer to us by the end of the week. And basically we've told them to do one. Um, we don't want to be treated like sort of objects that they own. Uh, and we'd very much like you to continue training us. So I was a bit taken aback. I was obviously very happy, but I, I was a bit cautious. I was a bit, okay, am I, am I crossing any lines here? Am I doing anything that, that could get me in trouble? And they basically said, you know, a lot of them said to me, look, we're approaching you. You're a freelance trainer. You can do what you want. So we'd like you to, to come and we'll, we'll pay you direct. So, you know, that, that was sort of a game changer for me. And, and by the end of that uh, trip to the pub, which got extended by a couple of hours off the back of those phone calls, uh, I had, uh, you know, at 25 hours of personal training booked in the, the very next week and um, all my own, all freelance um, I came to a financial arrangement with some of the clients. I said to them, look, you know, let's drop the rate that you've been paying the other company. Um, I realized that there was an opportunity for me. I was now going to be getting paid more per hour. Um, they were going to have to pay less per hour. And sort of it was a win-win for everybody. Um, and, and from that, we, we kicked on. And, and from there, I, I built a, a very loyal um, and, and strong client base in London. And it's kind of gone from there, really. Now. I love that story. A lot in there. <laughs> no, no, no. It's very, very valuable, right? But but here, here's the important thing. What is it, Sean, that, um, you know, we might say for the sake of the episode, high net worth individuals, but what is it that you think it is about the way that you've coached and looked after these people that made them ring you but not keep on top? Now, we talked about obviously not feeling like a cash cow. But in terms of your philosophies as a coach, let's just delve into this because, you know, for the listeners, you know, you're training right now and have done for many years, some very, very, very successful people in some of the most affluent places in London. Um, they're not your pure gym clients, you know, they're not your virgin clients. Goodest percentage of these you're working with at homes and, and certain other places, but what is it? Let's just start first and foremost. What is it do you think about your coaching that you were specifically doing? Some of the lessons that the listeners of this podcast could potentially take away, or will take away from today's episode, that you know you were doing differently that helped them to see the value in that other than working with the company? Um, I mean, if, if I could sum that up in one word, Mark, I mean, I would say it, it comes down to integrity. I think it comes down to just professional integrity and, and personal integrity. And I think that... Um, very early on, I sort of realized the opportunity that I had and how I had landed on my feet. And I was extremely fortunate and that I had, as you said, people who were very powerful people and people who were CEOs, presidents, um, even some that had royal connections um, in different countries. Um, these were these were very powerful people and they had entrusted me to help them get fitter, get healthier, whatever their personal objective may have been. Um, 
but I had I, I always do stay sort of true to, to to what I believe in and to my values as a coach. And as I said from the outset, you know, I always try to instill in my clients an understanding of full health, total health, um, and understanding that everything that they want to do in their life going forward, whether it is a short-term objective like you know, get a six pack or lose weight or run a marathon, everything that they do, or, or equally just be better in the boardroom or, you know, feel more comfortable in their family, whatever it is, that all of those things will be catapulted and the chances of success in those things will all stand a better chance. Those outcomes will be will be better if they've got a solid base and a solid understanding of, of overall health, right? Um, and by that, I don't mean being dogmatic about things, but just basically enlightening them, just kind of explaining to them that this is more than just the gym and that what they do outside of the gym has an impact, how they work, the stress levels they're dealing with has an impact, how they sleep, how they party, how they, everything that they do will have an impact on their ability to perform in the gym, their ability to achieve the goals and objectives that they want, but also just their ability to, to, to achieve in life. And all of these people or the majority of these people are high achievers, right? They might not necessarily be high achievers in the gym, but they're high achievers in the boardroom or they're high yeah. achievers in their in their work environment or, or whatever. And so I think that sort of spoke to them. And I thought I think they they realized that there was more in this. And again, as I said, it's not dogma, it's not saying, you know, these people are not gonna just follow me religiously. But I think the point is that my approach was a broader approach. Um with their full sort of performance in life at the forefront of it, as opposed to just smashing it in the gym. Mm. And I think that spoke to them. And, and then it was just about really having integrity, um, having understanding, um, sort of having strong values, but, but respecting them for who they were, what they had achieved in life, but equally not being sort of overawed by them. So, so it's very important to sort of strike that balance with authority, confidence, but not letting your sort of ego get in the way. And again, I've seen this time and again with, with trainers and coaches that work with powerful people or, or celebrities even more so probably, you know, they, they, they jump in, they see it almost about themselves. They, they think that this is it, this is their golden ticket to, to superstardom as a, as a celebrity trainer or whatever it may be. And they're putting themselves first, right? They're, they're putting themselves in front of the paying customer. Um, it's all about what they can achieve as a result of training client X or client Y. And I think when you do that, you're going you're gonna to struggle because people in these positions have gotten to these positions by spotting and sniffing out bullshit, basically, if you excuse my French. No, very true. Um, very, very true. Very and true. so you have to have values. You have to have um, an awareness of yourself and an awareness of the client. You've got to understand that they are paying you to do a job. You may be the only person on that given day who's actually telling them what to do. They're used to being the ones giving out the orders perhaps in the boardroom or, or in whatever environment they work in. But for that one hour, they've asked you to come and manage their health and well-being or their fitness or whatever it is. And they expect you to be the authority in that situation. And you have to exude that, but with a respectful air and with integrity and with understanding and self-awareness so that you're not coming across as arrogant. You're not thinking I'm the big I am and it's all about me. So again, it comes back to a client-centric approach. And I think that's fundamentally important whether you're coaching the guy in pure gym or you're coaching a guy in his own purpose-built gym. It doesn't, I don't think it matters. I think those values sit true. But if you have aspirations to train clients 
that are in more affluent positions or more or, or higher higher net worth clients you know that's really important that's really important because you may be the only person that day who's actually telling that individual what they need to do or saying no to them or saying that's not the right way you need to do it this way and you have to have confidence in your ability to do that and 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 this is a this is a question that i know is going to be on many people's you know uh minds at the moment right now it is it, like um you know, you've got these very very successful people you're working with and you've explained kind of where where they are in life and very powerful people um how do you go in and get them to follow everything because you and i both know right i think a lot of personal trainers in the industry you know they take on a client that's got two kids got a busy life they're business person or they're a mom or whatever they go in straight you know we presented a webinar last night and we said you know struggling to get your clients to stick to the plan one of the biggest problems is that you've created the wrong plan for the wrong person mm -hmm. because ultimately you've given something that you said this is what will work mm -hmm. and it's unrealistic yeah. and i suppose with you you know working with these high net worth individuals that do have meetings it does involve a glass of wine you know it does involve networking how what's your how what's your kind of thought process on 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 getting your clients to follow what you need them to do you know um again i think a lot of that comes down to i think a lot of that comes down to understanding that everybody will do things their way in the end of the day dogma will never win um you you have to provide information for clients you have to give them the information that they need so they will set you a task uh, they'll come and say i have got such and such an objective this is my goal yeah. you as a coach see the end goal and and for a lot of my clients there isn't an end goal by the way because um you know we're not talking about um, a transformation or a transformation yeah, yeah well, i'm yeah, not yeah. seeing this as a, a i'm seeing this as a journey it's an ongoing yeah, journey it yeah, does, it's yeah. not a destination i don't train a lot of people with destinations in mind i train them with a long, an ongoing journey in mind there's going to be organic change as we go the longer i've got a client and client retention is hugely important to me the longer i'm working with a client the more those goals are going to change as they get older things are going to switch around so it's understanding that you have to be um you have to be fluid you have to be able to understand that on any given day what they're capable of doing what they want to do is going to change but um to come back to the kind of question for me it's about informing the client for me it's about trying to educate the client and 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 that's the important thing because with that information then it's up to them you know it, it's a funny thing actually on this because one of the things that i i say to clients all the time is and this sort of it's it's relevant to everybody again as all these things are but it's quite important with sort of higher net worth people because a lot of these people they outsource a lot of what they do okay so they're used to delegation they they're in a boardroom they've got you know they may have 20 staff they may have 2000 staff people that work underneath them so so much of what they do is delegated out so many of the parts of their life are delegated out both in terms of the jobs they do maybe some in their home lives delegate things they may have cleaners or they may have a chef or whatever and so they outsource that and, and it comes back to them but Sometimes you have that issue where clients sort of feel like if they're paying you as a personal trainer, then everything is done. It's sorted, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I've got a trainer. He comes here four days a week. So my health is taken care of yeah, my, and, my, my fitness, my body shape. Yeah, my, yeah, 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 exactly. And that's that's just not the case, you know, and, and I do have to have that conversation with some of these clients and say to them, look, the one thing you can't do is outsource your health. I mean, you can if you're on an operation table and, you know, you, you're in critical illness. But when it comes to managing your health and well-being, 
trying to upgrade your health and well-being, trying to feel better, look better, train harder, reach a short-term goal like a marathon or, or a body composition goal or lose weight. You can't outsource that. And as a trainer and as a coach, you have to understand that your role in that is just to map the course. You know, it's just to map the route. It's to sit with the client and say, here's your goal. Here's where we are. This is the path we need to get. This is what we need to do. So almost like reverse engineer the process. These are the bits that are going to help you get there fastest. Mm -hmm. And that may involve saying to them, you need to sleep more. Um, you need to focus on your nutrition more. You can't just come to the gym four times a week, beat the backside out of the gym and then go out till four o'clock in the morning or never have downtime from your office environment or any of these other elements of sort of wellness and then health um, and expect to achieve your goals when you want to. You have to take responsibility for this. I will map it for you. I will coach you. I will encourage you. I will give you all the value uh, of my experience. But ultimately, it comes down to you. And, and for some people, and again, I said this is applicable to anybody, but for some people, that's sort of hard to, to take on board because they simply think if they put money into it, it'll be handled. Um, and it can be a difficult one for people to understand that actually, when it comes to managing your health and well-being, it's, it's down to how you handle it, really. And, and you told me that you, you, you had a, a client that for how long did they not particularly change before? Well, I've had several clients, Mark, that have you know gone through periods of time um, where they haven't been achieving their goal, you know, where they haven't been achieving their goals. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as a, as a, you know, maybe up to a year or even longer and, and sort of as a coach and from a business perspective, I could easily sit there and think, well, it, you know, they're paying me. I'm getting well paid here. It doesn't really matter yeah. as long as they're yeah. happy at the end of the day, that's all yeah. that matters. Yeah. Yeah. But equally, you know, that doesn't really reflect on me as a, as a, as a coach, because this person um, may have set out some very clearly defined objectives that they wanted to reach and they're not doing it and they don't have this sort of maybe the understanding or education or just knowledge of you know physiology and biology and training and everything else to understand why they're not achieving their goals they just yeah. know that they're not and they just know yeah. they're paying you and yeah. they're not achieving their goals and because um, they put money on it like they do everything else as i remember talking to you about off air you know you can delegate everything but you can't delegate your health so they no, paid you, you and they expected the result yeah and so so it, i i have had to have conversations with clients i do it's you know it's, it's an ongoing thing. I have client, conversations with clients all the time where I actually say this and I explain to them, look, nothing is going to change until you take the responsibility. And you could pay me twice the amount of money you're paying me, or you could find somebody else and pay them three times the amount of money. It's not going to change anything until you change. And that can be a really difficult conversation to have. And I've had experiences where I've had a couple of years of working with somebody, nothing has changed. We've had conversations and they're tough conversations to have with, with anybody. But vital, but also, right? I mean, these are vital. A lot of you know, a lot of younger coaches, you know, whether you're training a mum of three or whether you're training, uh, you know, anyone, mm. you know, I always say they're cru crucial conversations because at the end of the day, we have an assessment room at M10 and younger trainers over the years that started working for us, the senior coaches have turned around to them and said, you, you need to get them in the assessment room. Mm. You need to have that that chat. The chat, yeah. You know, and that that chat at the end of the day is is essentially the accountability chat. However, you do it, mm. um, and uh, you know, for you, commanding that level of respect and not going in and putting them down. How, how's your approach to that 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 frank chat? Well, again, it, it comes from again. I think a lot of it comes down to again core values. Um, you know, my passion for their well-being you know and i yeah. think that's that's a huge part of it yeah. when the client when i take on a client i i sort of become 
I sort of become entwined in 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 their objectives. I sort of I really really want them to achieve what they <coughs> excuse me what they want to achieve. And as I said, for many of my clients, it's not just that twelve week body loss uh, fat loss transformation issue. It's um, I just you know I just want them to feel healthier. If they're not coming to me after two or three months saying you know what I feel so much better, I'm glad we had that conversation. Or wow, I never knew how much how important sleep was in, in my overall well being. And now I'm sleeping better or I'm tracking my sleep and, and I can see the holes in that or I'm eating better and I'm feeling better as a result. If they're not coming to me telling me that, I'm pissed off at myself. You know, I'm, I'm like, oh, Sean, you're not doing your job because you're not getting this message yeah. clearly to, to, the, to the client. Yeah. Um, and listen, you're going to have clients that are going to hear it all and they're just going to ignore it and, and they don't care. And I think that's okay too, right? Um, at sometimes you have to park it. At, you, know, you also have to have that awareness of yourself to know where you're at. But you hope that if you have the conversation in an honest, in a frank way, again, understanding your position, respecting your position, respecting your own authority and having sort of pride in your own, in your own values and saying, look, this is why you need to do X, Y, or Z. You're not achieving what you set out. You have charged me with helping you do this, but you're not really helping yourself. So is there any way that we can move the needle on nutrition, on training, on your extracurricular activities that are kind of not aligned with what you set out in your goals? Yeah, yeah. And some of them, and, and, and this is these are the really rewarding ones, I'd say yes, and I'm glad we had this conversation. And it kicks on from there and they, they end up achieving great things or, or really moving the needle. Um, and some of them, some of them just say no. They just say, oh, "I'm not prepared to make those sacrifices." Um, and and also, I think as as a coach, then you need to say, "Fine, we'll, we'll maybe we'll revisit this again in a month and see if things have changed." But it's understanding and recognizing your position. But at least as a coach, you can come home, you can look at yourself in the mirror, and you can say, "I was true to myself. I was true to my values. I wasn't afraid of doing my job." And it is my job to have those those conversations with clients so that they're aware, because that's for me the, the key thing. You must make clients aware so that they can make informed decisions. Mm. If they're not, and, and a lot of time, you know, people are not aware. And again, highly educated people, highly powerful people, but they, they know what they know. They're not gonna know how the body works if they haven't spent any time figuring out how the body works. That's why they're hiring you. Mm. Um, and that's why it's imperative that you relay that information to clients, explain why it's important, and then give them a route to it. And after that, then you can only hope that they follow you and, and and as you've said many times you know it's being strong enough to, to to recognize your position and not crumble under their perceived power you know their power or um their wealth or their success you know Absolutely. you've got to go in there and be you've got to be confident but not let your ego take over um and i think one of the most powerful things i've taken away from listening to you today is the company that was looking after the hedge fund lost the hedge fund uh, lost lost a lot of that contract essentially because they were treating them like a number and mm. you know we have this whole world nowadays where trainers are desperate to say oh you know i'm working with a celebrity i'm working with this at the end of the day and i listen i i've been in gyms and seen people working with and i know higher net worth individuals or celebrities before and the coaching yeah it, it's very much about the trainer it's very much about them training training them and what i love about listening to you here is the approach that you have is client-centric which is at the end of the day you know there's a you know i've read some 
great stuff over the years on, on you know service and being client focused. And if you look at five star service, Sean, if you look at you know Mayfair and and, and the high end, it, it is service focused. You know, and what we're provide you're, you're providing essentially to these high net worth individuals is you're coming in as you said to me as part of their team. And you've got to be confident enough to, to say that to say how it is, but but also you are in it for them. You know, you're not in it for you. You're not in it for your benefit. You Absolutely, know? that's that's critically important because again, I think I've mentioned this. People will see right through that. You know, when your when your objectives, when your personal, um, when you're when you're seeing this as an opportunity for you to progress. I mean, of course, sorry, it is an opportunity for you to progress as a person and as a coach. And yeah. you know, another thing that I love about the environment that I work in is I'm around people who are motivated, who are driven not always by the gym, but by their business. And sometimes I ask them to get that motivation and move that into their health and well-being and say, if you treated and I, I use the analogy all the time I say to people like you know how would you confront this if this was a business decision you know I'm asking you to do this I'm asking you to manage your health and make these decisions if this was a business decision how would you cope with it how, how what would you do you know exactly what to do and I'm only asking you to apply that same logic that same rationale to how you manage your health and well-being and when you have that and when you understand that you have to be confident you can't be arrogant you've got to park your ego it's not about you it's not about what you can gain from training client x or y or z it's not about what they can do for you it's about what you can do for them um and i think when you do that you build that trust you build that confidence and i think that allows you the ability to have those slightly tougher conversations because You've, you've built that that relationship right you've built that relationship with the client and they therefore respect you because they know you're just not in this for what you can get they've had an experience of your relationship has been built around putting them first and they understand that the conversations you're having are with their best interests at heart with their objectives in mind and not with what can this mean to me as a coach how can i put this on as my before and after picture what how can i how can i leverage this client for my game that's never ever been in my mind you know it really genuinely hasn't never in my life and i think that's that's sort of fundamental i've seen trainers do it i've, I've seen trainers with people i've seen them ask you know for the this for the that can you get me in here can you give me access to this can we do you know i've seen them say can you post about me on social media all of that sort of stuff it, it, that's not the way i am it's never been the way i am maybe some might say to my own detriment, but it doesn't sit with my core values. It doesn't sit with who I am as a person. And I think an awful lot of maybe the success in inverted commas or, or certainly the retention ability that I've had with clients in central London um, and the fact that I've never had to really market to them. I've never had to sell myself to them. It's sort of always been um, self-perpetuating. It's been referrals. That's all been built out of, I think, I started the conversation off with it and I just think it comes down to integrity and respect and understanding that your position is there. It's a highly valued position and, um, and, and that's your, that's your role really. And you know what, on that, you know, I don't think, I don't think it matters whether you're in Derby, Edinburgh, Bournemouth, Mayfair. No. If you have integrity, you'll build a business without any marketing because referral is free. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and I always am fascinated because I, um, 
I filled my diary in the gym on referrals. I filled it with my personal training facility on referrals. And my own client base in Nottingham was referrals. Um, and I was charging more than any coach in the city. And uh, it, it still blows my mind to this day when people are desperate to try marketing strategies as a PT, mm. when integrity, as you said, you know, it, let's say we've got a coach, whether you're having one session, two sessions or three sessions for a client in a week, you know, um, in a gym, working from people's home. You know, there's little things, you know, you see trainers looking at their phone, you see them talking to other people, you see them not present. And I'm certain with you, you know, some of the things that run through your head when you turn up to work with these people, you know, if you could just give a correlation to what goes through your mind when you go into the presence of these high net worth individuals that will correlate to a coach. I don't care whether you're in pure gym, whether you're just starting personal training, we always say at M10, when you cross the line at M10 onto the gym floor, it's game time. Mm. We always say that, you know, it's game time. And, and this is where your profession, that's like a maitre d' in a restaurant in the kitchen, having a laugh with the chef. And as soon as they're swinging doors shut, yes, sir. Absolutely. And that's why so I said to somebody the other day, Sean, you know, there are some of the, in some situations in these five-star hotels, there are quite poor people working in them right there are you know and they come out all in whites and presenting everything in restaurants and they present to the highest level and behind closed doors some of these people are not earning a lot of money yeah. but 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 they go into a client-centric environment and, and then they, they they provide that level of service and we can learn a lot from that so for you when you go in the door of your client's house and they're high net worth individuals and suddenly you're in this different environment what would you give as advice to a trainer, whether it's the beginning or middle or wherever they are in their career about game time, about you going into that house and switching the flicking, flitching the switch, whatever's going on in your life, like you're working with these high net worth individuals, the integrity that you show when you turn up. Well, again, I, again, I think that comes back to values fundamentally. And as you said, yeah. I don't think it matters whether you're working with a client in pure gym or not. I think when yeah. you are working with a client, whether they're paying you 20 quid or 200 quid, I don't think it, it makes any real difference. I think, yeah somebody's paying you for your time you've accepted that position and therefore it is as you said it is game time and it is then all about the client and it's looking for the little ways of adding value um you know one of the things that i just didn't mention but i think it's really important to mention from this from, you know from earlier on is the ability to have the conversations that i have with clients the ability to work with the clients I have comes back to me understanding that it's about the client it's not about the money that they can pay or can afford to pay. It's about me providing a service. And so if I want to be in a position where I can work with clients that can pay more or, you know, or in central London, I've got to have created a product. I've got to have created a knowledge base. I've got to have upskilled myself and invested in myself as a coach to be able to be in that environment. I think that's a really important thing. We, we, when you mentioned, I know it's a couple of questions back, but you asked about if there were, if there are people who want to take that leap you know, we talked about action. And part of that action is understanding that you move to go to somewhere like central London or anywhere, you need to up your game as well, because yeah, you're yeah. now moving into an environment which is full of trainers, lots and lots of trainers who are and coaches who are in there because they see the bright lights, they think everybody's got money, I can charge more, I can make more, that's fine. You can't, well, you can, but you shouldn't unless you're providing a better service. And that comes down to, again, your values. It comes down to your desire to upskill yourself, to learn more, to be able to then provide more um, of a, to a wider service to for your clients and give them more value 
add value for yourself, invest value in yourself to be able to add value to others. Um, and, and that then leads perfectly into how you then behave, I guess, when you go into that client session. Little things like, you know, understanding the environment that you're in, coming into their gym or their home or their office or, or whatever it is, making things as straightforward for them as possible, understanding that you have no idea what sort of a day they've had. You have no idea what sort of stress they're under. All you know is that for this hour or 45 minutes or however long they're able to turn up for, you need to be providing what they need. You need to be very conscious of the situation. You need to be very aware. You need to be self-aware. You need to be bringing them in and making sure that this is an experience for them that's going to uplift them. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's exercise first and foremost. So whether it's doing some rehabilitation work with a client who's got a dodgy back or whether it is a client who's doing power cleans, they're coming to you for their exercise. They're coming to you for their health and well-being, And that should be a fun situation, right? That should be something that sends them out of the place in a better state than when they came in. Uh, so you've got to be able to think about what are the friction points that this client may have had over the course of their day. Um, you know, you know, little silly things like making sure you've got all their, their water, you've got the nutrition all set up, you've got their supplements laid out for them, you've got towels, you've got, you know, everything just set and ready to rock and roll. So the session can go how you want the session to go. So there's no friction points, there's no pain points in it. It's all about the end outcome of that particular session, which is make sure the client leaves the session feeling like they've achieved something. Because I don't know what sort of a shit day they may have had up to this point, but I have the power in this next 45 minutes or this next hour to change their day, to change their evening, and potentially to change their week and their life. And I have that power. And, and that's going to be um, manifest if I arrive there on time, punctual, professional, you know, conscious of how I appear myself, um, you know, understand, just understand the environment that you're in, right? Some people have different, again, I, I can't go into too much detail, but some people have different protocols um, and you just have to understand your environment. And again, put the client first. It's all about their experience. So whatever it takes to provide that experience for the client to make sure that their training session leaves them in a positive state mm -hmm. is, is absolutely paramount. And I think it's so easy with, tra with trainers working in gyms, you know, whether you work in somebody's house or not, you know, if, if you're in a gym, um, it is easy to switch off from the outside world and make that client the most important part of that hour. Of, so that they, they feel, you know, um, they feel like you are, or that, that session is you, they're your only client of the day at the end of the day. Absolutely. Um, you Absolutely, know, and, yeah. and um, I'll, uh, I'll give a good friend of mine, Lucas Sheehan, that uh, the credit of that, he, he works in central London as well. And, and that's what he said, you know, for me, one of the episodes we've, we, we created together, he said, you know, I want my client to feel that they're the only client of that day, which is a great, great thing. But as you said, understand where they're at, you know, uh, what sort of day they've had, make sure everything's prepared for them, make sure that, that there's no, no ways that everything can hiccup and just be absolutely all about them for the session. Yeah. You know, we could keep going on and on and on, but that's, you know, when people look at, you know, how are you working with these high net worth individuals? And plus, if you know, you've not got all this down and you're working in another city and you've not got it down in another city, you're going to bring the same poor service to London. You know, it doesn't matter. Oh, I'm going to move to London and up my game. It's like, no, 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 up your game and move to London. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Earn you the know? right to kind of, to kind of, to do that, you know, and again, hugely important, you know, you, 
and I think this sort of comes back to the money and the value. Like for me, it's about it's about the when I decided to, to that I was going to be in London or when I went up to London and then I sort of branched out on my own after those first three months with the company. And I saw a lot of things that I shouldn't be doing. I learned a lot about what I shouldn't do. And I thought, right, how am I going to approach this if I'm going to survive here? The onus is on me to up my game, to add value to me rather than to see a client who's got more money in their bank account mm-hmm. and think I can just pay them. I can I can assume that they're going to pay me more for the same product. It's just that's not the way the way the world works right you know you have to add value if you're going to get i mean look a big mac costs the same in macclesfield as it does in central london right a big mac is a big mac mcdonald's don't try and charge more for their big mac just because it's in central london so the value of that product is the value of that product wherever it is but if you want to provide steak you need to be in a place where people can afford to pay for steak but you still need to source those ingredients right you still need to up the level of the product and the way a coach or a trainer ups the level of their product is by be educating themselves, learning, always trying to improve. Always, I mean, even now, 20 years in, Mark, I mean, you know this because we've spoken about it. There's not a day goes past where I'm not trying to up my game and I'm not trying to level up, if you, if you don't mind me mentioning the book. But, um, you know, I just think it's vitally important. It, you, the day you think you know it all is the day you're done, Right. And the more you learn in this game, the more you realize how little you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really important because you know enough to be able to work with clients and to be able to help clients across a lot of, a lot of different fields. And I also think that's another area you've got to, you've got to branch outside of your, your um, specifics. So if you're somebody who just works in strength and conditioning, you should learn about nutrition. You should learn about sleep. You should learn about stress management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not to step outside your lane, and that's very important. It's not to become sort of a no, an I know everything, I can handle everything, but it's to have an understanding of how these things intertwine and interrelate when you're dealing with the client. Um, and and you extend your scope of practice, but you stay within your scope of practice. You know, But I think that enriches you as a client. That adds value. That value add allows you to command more money. People will pay you more because you... You, you've got more to give, basically. That's, that's you're more valuable to them. You're more valuable, you're more valuable commodity. to them. Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's that's fundamental. So the onus is on you as the coach to up your game. Yeah. Rather I, I than do. just find somebody who's got more dough and expect them to pay you more. Because they'll no, see no, right I, through you, you know. If you, serve I, I, up that Mac, if you serve up that Big Mac in a steak restaurant, whoever's paid, they're going to know it's a Big Mac and they're going to throw it back in your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, and this is the thing. Oh, I've got a celebrity client, stop coaching. Oh, I'm starting to work client work with clients that have got a lot more money. And as you said, we went back to this earlier. They're not stupid. No. They're very, very smart. And they've not made the money that they've got and risen to the, the positions. Just think for a second. For somebody to end up president of a company or CEO of a company, they've not just gone in at that level. They've mm. worked their way up. So they've seen what they've got to do to level up at every single level. So if they're noticing that the values that you have are not even a fraction of what they are, they value themselves, they'll sniff, they'll sniff you out. If they get a referral from a friend and say, oh, you need to work with X. And then they start doing a training session and it's like, really? Mm. You know, really? And I think that's so important because, you know, whilst we will, and you've covered this today as well, your education is imperative the delivery of what you know, the values that you have, the service that you deliver, the, the, the effort that you put into each individual person is, is probably one, you know, one of the most valuable 
assets that you can have in terms of getting more referrals, increasing your hourly rate, uh, and and having that retention of your client long term, which is vital, right? One hundred percent. I mean, client retention for me is probably the biggest thing. I mean, I only take on, I don't know, maybe. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm doing a little bit more of sort of online coaching at the moment, so that's allowing me to take on some people, um, some new people to work with via the online platform and kind of work with them across my sort of pillars, um, which is great. But in terms of taking on one-to-one clients to coach in person, I mean, I probably take on maybe one or two a year because A, I don't have the capacity to do it. um, But B, I don't feel I can give the value. I don't want to saturate what I do. And I think that's also really important is that, you know, you, you, it's really important to make sure that the, the level of service, the level of every session is delivered well. And so when you go back to how do you behave when you go into a client session, uh, again, whether it's high net worth or low net, it doesn't matter. That person needs to feel like you're there for them and you're delivering a premium a premium service with their goals and their objectives in mind. And as you said, they need to feel like they're the only person that matters, right? And you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't walk in and say, I've just done Chelsea and Mayfair. I'm a bit knackered, but let's get cracking. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you can't. And also, if you do, I mean, look, I, I, I'm, you know, again, I don't need to disclose, you know, how many sessions I do. I do a fair volume of sessions, but I've managed that according to what my capacity is. You know, it's not just endless because that dilutes the, the, the product, right? That dilutes yeah. what you're capable yeah. of doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, again, that's not going, that's not adding value for your client, right? That's not adding value. Mm-hmm. So upskilling yourself is vitally important. Respect for the client, respect for your position, having that authority is, is hugely important. But then also, as you said, just making sure that that, that, that level of, of service is is vitally important it's first and foremost right it really is um yeah well listen um we could keep going on and on and (laughs) on um it's saturday and here's us here's us 20 years into our careers saturday at half past six doing a podcast working well this is it i mean this is this is what it's about i mean i think yeah but i think for you and me mark and i think again when we look at coaches that are successful um, and that can make jumps on the ladder, whatever they perceive those jumps to be. And not everybody wants this, by the way, not everybody wants, because it's not easy. Let me tell you, I've, I, I'm up at 5am every single day of the week, bar none. I've got two small kids. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be as good a dad as I can be. I'm trying to be a good husband at the same time. And I'm trying to deliver for my clients as best I can. And it means graft, right? There's no two ways about it. It, it means graft. But when you love what you do, and when you value what you do, and when you see the value that you can give to other people, and that's sort of, again, ultimately what this is about, they're trusting you to help them and you're helping people. When you see that play out in, in the real world, of course it's work, it would be stupid for us to say it's not work and we, we do need downtime and we do need to step away from it, but it's sort of easy work because we love it. Um, and I think if you don't love it, I think you're probably in the wrong job, but I yeah. think that probably applies yeah. to anything. Uh, and do you know what? I was in Harley Street, another, you know, affluent area in, in London, uh, only yesterday. And I, I'm always fascinated when I talk to my dentist because in our industry, you know, there's a lot said all over the internet, you know, work smarter, try and have a few more days off in the week, try and make X amount per month. Uh, and and we hear a lot of this, you know, you, you know, just try and buy yourself all this time that you can in the week. Um, but I said to my dentist, I was like, you know, 
you do you see a lot of patients he goes i love it i love the service i love the environment i love the clients that come in and there was not one conversation i mean we're in a building that will would have been worth a lot of blooming money in, in Harley Street. And there's some very high net worth people that are coming into the dentist. And there's not one part of, I'm trying to do less. I love what I do. I love mm. the people. I love the business. Mm. And that's another service industry. You and I are in a service industry, you know, and 20 years into your career, you're still, and loving every moment of it, coaching people and traveling into central London and, and, and doing what you're doing. And I think it's really important on this podcast, you know, that we, that we, that, that we, um, that we acknowledge that, that it's okay to continue coaching people because if you love it, that's where you're inspired. That's what you love. And that's what you've explained incredibly well that, um, you know, there is a juggling act in your life, but there always will be if you, if you, you know, if you're going to build a successful business. Absolutely. Yeah. But if, you know, if you love it, then again, I think that's what helps with, with the value add because you're always trying to learn more. I mean, there's not a, literally not a day goes past where I'm not trying to learn a little bit more about how I can provide a little bit more value. Um, it, it, it's part of my own organic desire to improve my own health um, as I get older uh, and understand that I can't always do the things that I, I, I wish I could and the things that I used to do and understand how, how my life has changed as I've got older and become a father. And that rings true with a lot of my clients as well so i can impart that sort of part of my own personal journey to them and add value in that way mm. but as i say every day is a school day for me and, and so if be. i come out of a client session even today even with a client who i've worked with for 10 years even when i know that that client is going to be you know is not going to disappear into the sunset tomorrow if i come out and i feel like they've left me today not feeling like they've had a good session or i haven't delivered a good session and a good experience for that client I'm kind of hacked off with myself and I'm will come home and say either I've done too much I need to sleep a bit more or I need to up my game or whatever it is but but again I reflect on myself and I think right back up bring bring the game back up because that's that's the nature of it right that's I love this I love this I love this and again service and standards and values is something we could talk about all day but I'm very conscious of the time. I'm very conscious, that, you know, it's, it's half past six in the evening, you've got young children. Um, and I just, I just want to say to you, you know, um, such an inspiring conversation. Um, you know, I love your company. You know, you're an incredible guy, incredible coach. Um, and uh, I just want to thank you for, uh, for joining me this evening, early evening, this afternoon. Early evening, yeah, yeah, early evening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mark, it's been, it's, been, it's been a pleasure. And as, a, uh, you know, as you said, um, we could sit here and, chew the fat all day um yeah for sure there's so much to discuss within this industry i think you're doing an incredible job of bringing um shining a light on so many of these important elements a lot of people see personal training and coaching as a bit of a two bob sort of profession they can get in, get in and out of quickly um and i think you're doing a tremendous job to to kind of really help people create a strong and robust business and career for themselves out of it through all of the right avenues as opposed to a lot of the stuff that we get encountered with on a daily basis on certain platforms that is acute it's about what can i you know wham bam thank you mum. that's not really the way to success in my view yeah. and i think um i think you are killing it man and uh, and 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 making sure that this um that this industry will be all the better. You know, I think the, the level of coaching in London across the UK has gone up 
which means everybody needs to level up and up their game if they want to they want to survive and if they want to be able to move to the next level and i think that's imperative because it means that the paying customers the people who really matter in this the clients are getting a much better service and i think that's largely down to people like yourself uh, who are who are you know the educators in this thank so you thank you from me uh, and i'm sure you know, many of the listeners will be echoing that 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 uh, appreciation of what you do. Well, that's very very kind of you. Do you know what? And um, something that's really important to you and me. I know. I know for certain. You know, guys, you can make a career out of being a personal trainer. You don't just have to sack it off because it gets hard. You don't have to sack it off because you think you've got to do long hours. If you start thinking like that in the early few years, then you're going to have a rude awakening, whatever industry you're in, because if you want to make a success of it, it's the long game. Yeah. And if after two years of being a PT, you don't like getting up at five o'clock in the morning, then why are you a PT? Why don't you just allow the people that want to be PTs, that want to be focused on service to do that bit, and then you go and do something else. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I know I'm a bit harsh by saying that, but in any industry, you know, if you don't want to go, do a good service and whatever you do, just do something else hmm. because there's always somebody that's going to step up um, and, and then prove to you, just like Sean's done, that this is a this is a career that has longevity to it um, as long as you take action. And that's the, that's the big point on, on what we've what you've said as well today. Um, so I just want to thank you, um, guys. Um, please, as always, um, share the podcast, tag myself and Sean in. I'm just going to ask you now, Sean. What's your Instagram handle? I'm sure people are going to have questions for you. What's your Instagram um, handle and, and how do we, uh, you know, how do people find you? So my Instagram handle is at IamCore4, um, which is my own sort of coaching program based around core, my core four pillars of health and wellness. It's how I approach my client coaching. Just remind um, everyone, what, what, those four pillars, because I know nourish is one of them. So we've got, we've basically, the way, again, it's just my way of navigating and how I've, the areas that I think need attention, they're not unfamiliar. It's just the way I've kind of mentioned them. I concentrate on move, nourish, regenerate, and protect. And again, this is an evolution of myself. I have years of smashing myself in the gym and not sleeping properly. Years of, you know, thinking I know nutrition and not really understanding what's best to put in my body. And I think sort of as you get older and as you evolve and as you sort of diverge into different areas and network with other people and build your network of, of uh, professionals that you work with. And I think that's something we didn't mention and we won't go down that rabbit hole now, but I also think that's a really important bit for coaches who want to take the step up is to make sure that they network well and that they, they, they build relationships with other professionals that they're not afraid to outsource their clients to other, uh, not outsource, but basically refer their clients to, to other professionals, whether that's nutritionists or osteopaths or physios or rehab, you know, never fear that you're, if you um, refer your client to somebody who might be better positioned for them at that given time, that you're going to lose that client. You're not, you're again, you're adding value to that client. You're helping that client on their journey. You're staying mm. within your scope of practice, but you're showing an appreciation for their health first and foremost. Mm. So, you know, they're my four pillars, move, nourish, regenerate and protect. I think it's as important to focus on your sleep and on things like digital downtime and all of that when it comes to being able to then go in the gym and perform your best or go into the boardroom and, and perform Look at that, guys. Look at that, guys. The upsell to core four. <laughs> so it's at, it's at I am core four. <laughs> That's where I am. Uh, if anybody has any questions, of course, you know, I'd be glad to, to have a chat with anybody who wants to. Um, yeah. Good, good. Well, listen, thank you ever so much. Um, I absolutely uh, have loved this and I know you guys will. And, you know, 
testament to, 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 to credit to any of you that have got all the way to the end of this because i know time is always quite limited for people but do you know what whenever i do longer episodes with people and they message and say i really enjoyed that um you know i'm always very very grateful so i want to just say if you've got to this point of the podcast thank you because you're somebody who's committed to excellence you're committed to improving you're committed to be better if you've started to listen to it and you've not listened to it all the way to the end then you know you're the type of coach that's not prepared to it's like reading an autobiography and just getting to the sexy bit read the whole thing and i just they found me incredibly boring which... oh well, well <laughs> let's not leave let's not say that but anyway thank you guys please thank share you. the podcast um and again thanks sean and uh enjoy your weekend many thanks and you too